Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. morning. So people will be happy to know that we were just discussing Italian and how you've been practicing and I want to hear everything you know. Okay are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. This is what I'm going to say when we get to our hotel. I'm so excited. Okay (laughs) I'm going to mess it up. Okay I'm going to say ho prenotato una camera per due persone per una notte. Look at you go. I reserved a room for one night. For two people for one night. I can kind of understand a little bit. They're so similar to Spanish, and to Spanish and like to English too. Like the one I'm doing this Paul Noble uh, book audiobook, and he's like, there are thousands of words that you already know as long as you just kind of like prenotato is reserved, but it's just prenote prenoted, oh. and then you add the auto as the as the um, past tense. And there's there's thousands. He's like, there's this many thousands of this words where you can do this, this many hundreds of this words where you can do this. It's amazing. It's like um, a Japanese, it's a katakana. Like my son sometimes will be like, chizu. And I'm like, that. there's no way that's cheese. You know, I feel like he just makes things up. And <laughs> yeah. And it really is. Yeah, amazing. exactly. Um, I have a surprise for you. And that is that I started Babel Italian like a big girl. I'm so happy. Good. So I'll know five words by the time we get there, but it's it's good. Combined. I'm loving it. We'll manage it. We do have the Apple Watch, mm-hmm. which yeah. will help us in times of need. Uh, you do. Yes. Yeah, I don't. So hopefully it won't die when, when we're I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> when we get pulled over by the police. <laughs> the one time we need it. Knock on wood. All um, my chargers are coming tomorrow. I feel very confident and very excited. Oh, will you send me what you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Claudio found it. So if it doesn't work, we know who to who to come to. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really excited. I've been been doing my constantly kind of like this new obsession because it's so I just really love it. So it's fun. It is fun. I just I so I just started full disclosure like two days ago, <laughs> but I'm I'm loving it. I just keep it on all the time, and I'll be like you know on the treadmill or something, or just walking and <laughs> yeah, tapping away. I know. It's so fun. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I was looking up all of these words that don't mean anything. It only means something in one language. Oh, yeah. I like that. You know, these beautiful words. Impossible to translate. Yes. And one of them, I cannot remember it for the life of me, but it was the feeling of fear and anxiety that you get before going on a big trip, but also like paired with excitement and enthusiasm about it. And yeah, I'm like that. That has been what I've been feeling the last couple of weeks, but I'm shifting yeah. out of that into just joy and excitement. Yeah. Feeling confident in my mom's babysitting abilities. I'm She's making done it her a lot of before. lists. Yeah. Yeah. She's done it three times. Just the shuttling in yeah. New York oh, City yeah. is scary because she's going to drive um, or take a subway, which is like the scarier to me than her driving. 
Um, but it's going to be great. I'm very confident, very excited, ready. I want it to be tomorrow. I know. Such an amazing opportunity. I'm glad it's not tomorrow because I've got like 10 more hours of my Italian <laughs> to practice. I, I learned a very important phrase. Vure una bottiglia de vino bianco. Oh, like I know. a bottle of white wine. <laughs> <laughs> we only need a few key phrases. That's it. De vino bianco. It's the only thing that's going to keep us from doing no work because we are socializing. Yeah, good thing we're going to be hidden away in a yes. castle to work yeah. and write. We'll just lock ourselves in our room. I know. In our gowns. <laughs> so what else has your week been like? Uh, well, I was COVID positive, no symptoms, thankfully, but I was around, I was exposed. And so I tested and I missed my birthday party. That's so sad. I know. Are you doing a makeup? Yeah, we will. I was very grumpy. I was in a bad mood because I d obviously was going to test. I wasn't going to go because I was around so many people. It was like a the weekend before and then so many people got COVID. And so I was nervous for sure about spreading it. Tested Friday right before my party, right before I was going to go pick my friend up. And that's when I found out. But I tested last night and I'm already negative. So I think it was just, and I have no symptoms. So I think it was just like a like very little mild allergy symptoms. So I think it was just a quick thing. Little heavy, half C COVID. So I'm grateful for that. That I, you know, I had a friend who was sick for like a month, mm -hmm. not that yeah. long ago. Yeah. This is your first go, or? Yep, first time I've ever tested positive, and we test a lot. So mm -hmm. I've had it, I think, three times now, but I haven't had it yet. This, like in the flu season, which is shocking because we mm -hmm. usually have seventy things a week, but mm -hmm. it's been like three weeks over here, cold free. Uh. Oh, oh, I thought yeah. you were going to say where you No, been. no. Oh, no. Nice. I don't want to jinx it. I'm knocking With... on metal, but God, it feels good. Every day I'm like, oh, uh, 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 is that a twinge? What's that? that... No. Nope. So good. I know. With kids in school right now, it's been crazy. We've been on and off, like egg rotating, like with a musical chairs <laughs> situation. I and I have allergies. Travel. You know, yes. it was like you were in DC, right? Last weekend. That's what it was. That's yeah. where we got it. Yeah. I thought I would pick something up on the flight to florida i'm shocked that i didn't <laughs> <laughs> um and then we're going to la not this weekend but the following weekend so i'm hoping that we don't get sick right before we go i know i'm dosing up on everything just trying to like you know yeah. rocky my way through this i know we went to new york city and then alabama and then florida all in december and nothing I was sick. I had did have a sinus infection. I remember doing an episode where I had, or just the last one that came out, I had a sinus infection. Yes. I could hear it, but no COVID. And then just weekend with family, <laughs> it'll happen. But I'm, yeah, I feel grateful, and I'm and I'm glad I took the test. I didn't want to spread it to my friends, but the, thus is life. So yes, yes it yeah. is. Yeah, but Keaton's birthday is coming up, so oh, that's fun. Are you guys doing yeah. a party or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll so do a cute. party. I know. Well, what about you? What are you juggling? Uh, you know, juggling a lot of work stuff, which is good and exciting. Getting back into the groove. My best friend is coming this weekend with her Aww. wife for her birthday. Aww. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. We're we're going to go see The Lion King. Fun. She has like very specific things she wants to do. She wants to walk the Brooklyn Bridge, see The Lion King. Um, It's a short trip, but I'm so, so excited. It's been a very long time since they visited in New York. Um, and actually, their first time visiting us in the city, which is insane. And then uh, hung out last night, had a nice little 
day beer drinking hang out with our two of our friends who are sadly leaving Brooklyn. Oh, where are they going? Oh, they're going upstate, um, mm. like two hours outside the city. And we're devastated. They're like our every weekend, no, no plans kind of friends. So yeah. we miss them very much. But he still works in the city. So I'm like, we'll probably see you guys more than we did before. That's something. Yeah. Is that a common migration? Is that a common experience for you all to have like friends coming and going, leaving the city? It's like a hard place to, to live, right? It is. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it's weird because this, so this friend is like one of Claudio's childhood friends that he's known Ooh. forever. He's like maybe oh. his oldest friend. And he's lived in the city for like 20, 25 years. He's been here forever. So it's really strange because he was our kind of uh, mayor coming yeah. in and showing us where to go and where to live and so it's extra weird to mm. to think about him not like being right down the street and and his fiance who we love um but yeah you get used to it yeah. and every, but every time it's like a little bit devastating i just remember that we were going to answer a question <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> find it <laughs> um what? yeah charlotte is a little bit like that people coming and going um but it's been a while since we've lost someone. I mean, COVID really broke us in because so many people. Right. A couple of them have returned, uh, which is nice. But I want them all to come back. I just want everyone yeah. together all the time. That's my that's my problem. Oh, that is like a definitive part of my personality. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we rally the troops. What's how we get together <laughs> so much. We're like, yeah, let's get together. Exactly. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. I had something related to that. Oh, I know. We lost three friends to Denver, Colorado. Three friends from Charlotte, all in like succession moved to Denver. It's no. so random. Do they know each other? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know okay. each other. Yeah. When I saw them in last October. I don't know how long ago that was, but oh, the one before, I guess. No, I saw them at Red Rocks this summer. You know, it's like I get to go to Denver a lot, which is cute. Yeah, you know, I get it. I get why people, you know, have to move and have lives outside of my own little ecosphere. But um, I'm also the person that's like, you'll be back. You have to come back. Yeah. You know, I just can't. I can't take it. It's like abandonment issues. Yeah, it is. But like, I also want to move every week. I'm like, Adam, we got to move up north. And then I think we got to move to Norway. And now I'm going to want to move to Italy. You know, maybe depending on how it goes. Totally. I really like everywhere. And I feel like I could be happy (laughs) when I want to see and be everywhere at the same time with everyone at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Having a a farm or a ranch or like a country house and just like walking out my bare feet into the beautiful Mm -hmm. grass. Probably not going to do that. But in another (laughs) lifetime, that's what I'm doing. I know. I my dream since I was little was definitely farm goats a barn but it takes so much commitment oh and work God. and education and like you have to be prepared for things to die mm-hmm. yeah prepared for none of that yep just to lose all the time yeah it's not just losing them either because that's really sad but then it's like you've got a giant carcass yeah what do you and do? then you're really having to physically like contend with death yep regularly which is important People need more experience with bodies and with the mortality and the impermanence of things to process life and and really understand it. You know, 
I was talking to a friend the other day about my cousin passing and he was like, you know, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. And you've had a lot of loss in the last few years. And I said, well, I have a big family and a lot of people that are in my life. It's going to, it's not going to get better. It's not going to get easier or less frequent. It's just the price that you pay for like loving. Yeah. I agree with you for sure. We're really removed from death. And I think it creates like an unhealthy fear potentially as well that makes people act in crazy ways. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the crazy way is detachment or, or fear of vulnerability, because then it's so hard to imagine death as a reality that it might be easier to detach from your parents than build a, a stronger bond even. Yeah. Or your loved ones, your spouse. So yeah, I don't know. The anticipation is in some ways equally tormenting. Yeah. The fear of anything, the fear of failure, the fear of loss can be as tormenting, I think, for sure. So on that note, <laughs> there's a really good book. I took a uh, poetry of sex and death class with poet this poet named Dorian Lux, who I think you would really love and I love so much. But so the first half of the semester was just death. We talked about death. We read poems about death. We read a book called The Undertaking, um, which is a memoir written by a poet. I can't remember his name. Philip something. Um, he before he became a poet and he's like a, a really beautiful poet he was an undertaker it was his family's business so he's like all these stories about death and the process the mortuary process and mm-hmm. it's interesting it's interesting to be forced to take that class about death and sex because by the end of the class my teacher was dorian lux was saying like i love you all Aww. you know i love yeah it was like you know it's really reminds you of you know the joy that we can bring the connections that we can have absolutely yeah I've been been struggling with that. I haven't been struggling, but I've been like reckoning with my own behavior in relationships as one does being married 15 years, almost. Well, no, we've been together 15 years in February and you really have to come to terms with how you sabotage yourself in your relationships. Because I do. (laughs) (laughs) We all do. That's part of growing up and that's part of recognizing and it's actually relevant to our question today too I was thinking that yeah just being able to look back on the way that you've lived different parts of your life and I don't know not even try to be wistful about things you could have done differently but yeah just take what you can from that moving forward and try to learn from yourself yeah I I think everybody self-sabotages to a degree yeah, for the various reasons, probably more reasons than there are humans, because we all have like yeah. five different <laughs> fears or complexes or whatever. I'll read okay. the question and then you you want to you want to take it from there. I can. Yeah, I can start. OK, Chandra, advice you would give to yourself 10 years ago. And what do you hope to maintain 10 years from now? I have three, basically three pieces of advice that I would give to myself. I mean, the question is 10 years ago, but maybe even further back. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, 10 years ago for me, it's sort of like, I kind of was starting to have my shit together. That's <laughs> my same, I was thinking these, okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same yeah, page. Like 10 years, there's not a whole lot I would have done differently, but for me anyways, especially in my 20s, I would tell myself then to stop being so distracted by shiny new shit. That includes people and friends relationships, acquaintances, 
buying big things that I thought I needed in some capacity, but were not any part of my identity um, or hadn't been really thought out. And I would tell myself to focus more on the timeless stuff, right? Like the people who've been there, the people that you really know are meant to share your ethos and share your life and give them the extra time that you have instead of kind of collecting meaningless things you, that are not going to gonna live with you for very long. Um, so that would be my number one. And then my number two um, would be to surround myself with people who think big. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean success or career or money, um, but just big ideas and concepts and inspiring pieces of advice. And, and I don't know, I think sometimes we, we don't really, we're not aware how much the people around us are influencing our decisions. And, and I do feel like I've, in my 30s, really settled in to spending the time with the people who were doing those things and, and had shared the same ideals. But when I was in my 20s, like, you know, I didn't know who I was enough to really put roots down with people in the same way that I think that I do now. Um, but what's important about finding your people young is that they're going to help you manifest the life that you want. And that doesn't mean you need to know what it is. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to have it all figured out in your 20s. But I think people who inspire you to, like, find yourself are shaping and guiding you quietly along that path. So um, so I think it's really important. And I think I did start relationships with a lot of people who now are, are like, integral parts of my life. But maybe weed out some of the not mm -hmm. so toxic. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, or just, like, D characters. You know, it's like, <laughs> stop investing so much time in people that you know aren't going to matter to your story. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then the last thing would be, which is maybe, maybe contradicts what I just said. Um, but my last thing would be, and this is maybe more relevant to 10 years ago, because I think it's really relevant mm -hmm. for a parent, for my parenting journey anyway. Um, and that's mm -hmm. just to meet people where they are um, yeah. without the intent to change them or, you know, to make them change who they are to fit what you need, but to really just help them be the best version of what they are um, and, you know, support people without pushing your ideals. Uh, and that's hard. I think I still struggle with that, but mm -hmm. I'm trying to do better. So, I mean, it's so, you, yeah, like prioritize. Mm -hmm. What's, in, what's important, and part of it comes with discernment, which might be hard in the 20s. I don't know, but it's like what will be or what should be important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, we sometimes get caught up in this idea that we have all of this great advice and all of this great knowledge to offer people. And we the, our way is the best way. You're talking about looking back on the way that you're self-sabotaging or self-sabotaging your relationships and... I think everybody does that because we are all looking through our own glasses. And so really listening to people and getting a feel for who they are and what they want and knowing that maybe our goals aren't always going to align. And that's okay. But if you're a real friend and you are a good parent and you're somebody who really loves, then you have to love all of it. So. Oh, it's so important in a relationship. Yeah. 
because it's twofold. I think it's partially you have to let the person be who they are. And you also have to be willing to accept that. And you don't have to accept it. You, you do not owe nope. anyone anything. So if you don't, that's okay. But you can't just be like, oh, I'm just going to stay and make them change necessarily. Like there are some things that you will, you can't, an addiction, for example, then you're, you might say, I have to help make mm-hmm. this change or be a part of that change. But very few, like I want someone to like reality yeah. TV <laughs> or hiking or whatever, you know, those things are yeah. negotiable. it's so unfair in so many ways and also to like not truly forgive somebody for things that have happened in your relationships or whatever they are Mm -hmm. to hold those things over them or or bring that pattern into a pattern that you're trying to change and to to heal from just letting people be and recognizing that they're doing their best the only thing you can control is whether you are in this relationship with somebody or not I mean, which is different when you're a parent. <laughs> That's not a relationship you yeah. can just walk away from. But when you're dealing with friends, when you're dealing with uh, your partner, you have two choices. Yeah. So much of what you said were things that were going through my mind when we were talking about this. Because you said something about it's hard to give advice. It's hard to take advice. And that is especially true for me. So I just I wanted to caveat this whole thing with like we're giving advice to our selves, (laughs) to our young selves. This may not be applicable to anyone else. You know, everyone's experiences and the way they grew up and their family dynamics, everything's so unique. And there are so many real barriers out there, you know, uh, the patriarchy and racism and, and sexism and family, you know, family dynamics that create complexes, but also can like offer privileges too. So it's all so unique. But you just were talking about holding things against people. And I think I've I think at the root of that is this victimization aspect that I really try to avoid at all costs. It's really damaging, I find. And it was I've been I've played that role because I think potentially I saw it growing up, maybe, or I um it worked for a while you know who knows but it's like if you can in my in my 20s I had a child young and then had no clue what I was doing (laughs) with the child or in my life and so I think it was easier to pretend to be like a victim to those circumstances than it was to take my life into my own hands and decide where I wanted it to go I I think it's it's not as all clear-cut as that so so to that point, my advice was for 20 years ago, probably, because I'm in my late 30s, you're in your late 30s. And so it was 10 years ago when I really finally decided what I, I need to do what I wanted to do my life. No one's responsibility but yeah. me for my own life. And so I went back to school. I started writing regularly. You know, um, the marriage had some big quakes. I won't say like negatively, but, you know, we had some big quakes that resettled the ground and I think that happened how many marriages have you really had three four like <laughs> every day is a new one in 15 years yeah right five five thousand yeah so I yeah I think this is probably more for 20 years ago because it was at the end of my 20s when I really was asking myself how I wanted this life to go and started heading in that direction but the victimization the the letting other people like not making choices is yes. making a choice and for a lot of my 20s I just kind of let things flow until it got to the point where I really said, okay, this is not, I don't, 
Um, and there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom, but it made me miserable. And so I really said, okay, this is not making me happy. It doesn't have to make me happy. It made my mom happy for a, while, for a time. And so it was kind of reckoning with what I wanted for myself and trusting myself. I think like trusting what you want can be hard, especially in the arts, because it's um, there's no guarantee. And so I went to grad school. My first class was creative writing. I knew I wanted to be a writer, but I still was going to do literature because it was the more sure thing. And I had to trust myself. And I was like embarrassed to tell people that I was going to do creative writing <laughs> because it seemed foolish, you yeah. know? I absolutely 100% agree with everything you just said. It's so easy and so human to fall into the trap of victimization. Um, it takes the sadness and the uncomfortable feeling of making a choice off of you or dealing with your mistakes. You know, This morning I was walking uh, my son to the car. Claudio and I were behind him and he was running. He was so excited to get to the car. He's running, running, running. And he trips and falls, of course. And he stood up and he looked at us and he said, I fell because you two were rushing me. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 sir. You fell because you were running and you weren't paying attention. You know, no one was rushing you. You have to take responsibility when you make a mistake. And it's okay to make a mistake. I hope, you know, I'm sorry that your ego and your little hands are hurt. But this is, <laughs> we don't do that in this house. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it's just such a human thing to do is just to feel bad and then want it to be somebody else's fault. Um, and yes. I've been there, you know, I continue to be there and, and struggle, <laughs> struggle with that daily. Um, but there's something really beautiful and really freeing when you stop, when you say, you know what, like I'm strong and I can handle these uncomfortable feelings and this bad choice that I have made that has put me where I am or or uncomfortable choice or good choice that sometimes has bad things attached to it or hard things yeah yes. boundaries yeah in the long run feels so much better yeah so much better and it's tied to I don't want to <laughs> it's tied to our trip to Italy because I've always wanted to travel the world it's always what I, since I was very little and I've done a little, but not a lot. And we had kids, you know, and I can't, you cannot blame your kids for a single thing. Obviously that could lead to a very toxic dynamic, but there's the reality of raising three small children as well. So it's, it's finally, I'm, I'm telling myself like, no one is, you can do this. Like, it, especially for writer's residencies, because it's a very affordable way to travel. But, um, and so it's like, you just make the decision you have to, and you might be scared. I might've been holding myself back because I was scared or because of the, you know, the financial costs. So I found a way around it, you know, and there's always like, I feel like there's always an answer and blaming someone, you know, at the end of your days, I feel like you'll finally hopefully reckon with that lie. For sure. I think that was part of my worry about this trip is, is it's almost like protecting my ego from feeling like it's selfish. It's like if yeah, I'm not giving yeah. at least 120% of worry and anxiety to the fact that I'm leaving behind yes. my child to go in and write for 10 yeah. days, you have to tell the ego to just like chill out because it will continually sabotage things that make you happy, you know, whatever it is. That's true. There's a lot of guilt for everything for for any yeah. success, I feel it's a, I thought it was a Midwestern thing. Maybe it's just universal. Maybe, but I'll tied with that ego 
And the fear, like the feeling guilty, I think is this around the ego is a defensiveness that I've been seeing in myself and others to where you want to do things right. You want to be right. You want to make the right choices. You want to defend your choices. Um, and especially if you're a victim, then you feel maybe like you have to defend something, like something is being attacked, a fight or flight kind of thing. And so that's another piece of advice I give to myself. It's like, you know, you, no one's coming at you. You're physically safe, you know, and it's like you do not have to defend. Someone could be like, it's so selfish of you to leave and go to Italy to write. And I don't even have to defend myself. You could say that's your that's your thing. Have fun projecting. It's a skill to be able to say, I don't need to even engage with this. This is, you know, yeah. you, you can have your fight with yourself internally and figure right. out why you feel that way, but it's not worth my energy. It's remarkable how often people only engage with the negativity. Yep. It's like a trance. It's pull. It's well, you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh, who I, I really love. And but there's like tarot journals about this and everything. It's like when you plant these seeds, that's what grows. That's this basic life, the rules of life. And so if you're always planting negative seeds or that's always what you're focusing on and the ground that you're tilling, then that's what's going to grow. Yeah. Well, it's so that's so toxic. It really is, especially because there are real problems. They, like you said, and sometimes we are in real danger or someone else's or there are serious things that we could direct our energy towards that would help or could help our own lives or our people who are in our lives who are needing, who are really struggling or really in pain um, as opposed to just kind of like this mm -hmm. dr drama. Yeah. Kind of ties in with loving your whole self. And I say this with empathy because we all have, ten, we can tend to have self selfishness, self-centeredness. We are the center yeah. of it. You know, we're, we only can think our own thoughts. So we're, you know, self-centered and like, you know, talking to my therapist about, you know, narcissism and what it, how it shows up in our culture, how it in the internet doesn't help these narcissistic tendencies that fail to provide real empathy or like seeing people in a real way and remembering that they have their own real real problems yeah. that are, you know, <laughs> that they are actually experiencing because we only see yep. it on a screen. And I think about it a lot because it's not a, necessarily a bad thing. We all, like I was talking to my, you know, my son's almost 14 and it's like, you don't have to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to act selfishly sometimes, but it's important to remember that's okay. And that's normal. And you can don't have to judge or hate yourself, but it's like be, being self-aware. Yeah. What a tough lesson to teach. I feel like it's one of those things that doesn't really gel until it does. Oh, that's, that was my top thing. That was my, that was my top note that I haven't said yet is what, speaking of like only advice for ourselves. I feel like you cannot learn a lesson until you're ready. Like just, I've, I've seen stuff in journals that I wrote years ago where I'm like, wow, I wish that had stuck because I had it then and I lost it and it's coming back around. Yes. Yeah. And that's another good point that you sometimes have things and then you lose them and then they come back and then like your priorities <laughs> shift and you're changing every day. Um, and I mm. think about that a lot where I'm like, how can somebody else be expected to anticipate my needs and yeah. quirks when I don't even know who I'm going to be when I wake up in the morning? 
I know it's so true. I asked my students this last semester my advanced fiction and it kind of blew their minds. They were like, stop. But I was like, we're writing characters as if the self, as if there's a, a real thing, as if that's a real perpetual thing. Is and then I asked them, are like, is there a real you? Is there a real self? And they were like, oh God, existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good question to ask. Because you can let go then. You can let lower your defenses and you don't have to protect it. You can just go with the yep. flow. Yes. Plant the seeds. Well, what the second part of that question was what what would it what do you hope to be doing in 10 years? Was that what it was? Oh no, yes, good. What do you to hope maintain. to maintain? I like that. Yeah. Ten years from now. You go first. Um I, I would say definitely cracking open whatever shell the ego is in this this identity that we've built that that we have to build up that psychologists say to be to build an identity so it's like you build up the ego until you're at a certain age and then you have to crack it open or you'll become this hardened dry egg <laughs> you know like in them don't worry darling where she cracks the eggs and there there's nothing and i'm like you don't want to be that you want to eventually crack open the yolk before it dries yes. up so you can feed the population. Life. <laughs> yes, I was reading. I was rereading um, a bunch of books of this month. Uh, that's some of my favorites. So one of them was Clarissa Pinkola Estes. So speaking of maintaining in ten years, we will be in our late forties. And so she says, at mid age, at middle age, women have to choose either to bloom or to become bitter. And to me, that rings true. I've seen this happen. I've experienced. You know, I have a lot of huge family. A lot of you know, community, we've known people for a long time. And so I feel that that is a valid question. Do you want to bloom or do you want to become bitter? And my sister and I were joking. She says, I'm 85% blooming and 15% bitter. And so that seems like a very healthy ratio. I'm very proud of you. And so if I could maintain that, you know, keep open to learning, you know, stripping these like things that I feel the need to defend down to their basic parts, which I feel like I don't, I don't feel as real. I don't feel like a lot of the things we identify as who we are are necessary. I think we create our identities and they're made up for the most part. And I feel like a lot of things in our culture, we make it up. Everything's made up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just the basis of our world. We're trying to create something here out of grass and sticks and mud. And that's fine. That's kept us going so far. But if we strip it all down, we don't have to defend our sports team. We don't have to defend what we believe to be true. It can just be true for us. So anyway, I'd love to bloom in the next 10 years. You are blooming. 85% blooming, 15% bitter at least. I think you could do both. I mean, you can be a very bitter flower. A beautiful, bitter oh, yeah. flower. Protects you. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my goal too, is to bloom and to be playful, to, to remember that it doesn't have to be so serious. sometimes. 15% bitter is just enough. <laughs> yeah. The 15% is from the real mm -hmm. shit. The real, like when I ask my kids zero to 10, how bad is this situation? Really? You know, there will be moments where it feels like a 10 or it is a 10, but, but a lot of times we're at the two and we're like trying to make it a 10 because drama can be like this drug, like releases oxytocin or something like that, you know? And so we're like, oh, drama. But I think you're exactly right. Like, when it's not a 10 and it's a two, why are we trying to make it a 10? Save the bitterness for the really bitter shit. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. 
yeah. Another thing Thich Nhat Hanh says that I really love is like, when you are really mad at your partner or your kids even, he's like, stop and imagine you, both of you in 200 years. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, we don't have a lot of time here. Really just, we could make yeah. it pleasant as much as we can, you know, and there are real, real struggles and real ugliness and real evil, but you know, as much as we can save the bitterness for those real struggles, then we can make the world a brighter place. That was beautiful, Misha. I'm going to go cry my way all the way to school pickup. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hard to know if any of this was helpful or interesting. The question is super thought provoking. And I feel like for our listeners, maybe if nothing else, it just serves as a as a pivot point for you to think about your own life. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely journaling. Like what advice would you give to yourself 10 years ago? And what do you want to maintain for the next 10 years or let go of? Yeah. Well, I hope that everybody takes something a little, a little something away from this and very excited. We have a really cool guest next week and a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. Next time you uh, hear from us, we'll be speaking fluent Italian. (laughs) Hit us up with more questions if you have them. And we'll keep answering them as poorly as possible. (laughs) Bye.